Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, let me start with a text that's just come in from Pat, who has just received his or her, I'm unsure, latest electricity bill today. And on the bill, Pat sees the government credit of €192. And Pat says it says inclusive of VAT and it has been applied. Pat is now wondering where has the €8 gone? Because the government electricity grant, including VAT, was €200. Has anybody else noticed this with any of their electricity providers. Now, I have to check back on my own electricity bill because it was the bill that arrived last month where I had the €200. Euro. Now, I know, I know, I just don't know what way it was worded. I do know the full €200 euro was applied because the bill would have been €214 euro and then the bill only came in at €14. Euro, so I know the €200 euro had been applied. Has anybody else noticed that, that what the wording on the bill was the government credit inclusive of that 192 I, I, I don't I can't find an explanation uh, for it because I know the actual credit I think was like 172 or 174 odd and then the rest was made up in VAT but it should come out at 200 euros so we'll see has that happened to anybody else where Pat feels they've been shortchanged by 8 euro on the government credit to help towards the cost of electricity and a lot of people now of course will be due electricity bills I mean I pay I would have had an electricity bill for December and January that's always my biggest one which comes in in February then the next one was February and March and that was the bill that I got the €200 off and then April, May so I will be due a bill sometime oh no I'll have to get through the rest of May uh, before I get my full bill so it'll be next month and everybody holding their breath wondering what their next bill is going to be because with the €200 Euro credit gone the next bills are all going to be high and actually I was reading only in the papers today that electricity prices here in Ireland are anybody surprised to hear this were 26 above the EU average and when you look at all of the EU countries we are the fourth most expensive for electricity in the entire EU block of countries. The only countries ahead of us who pay more on electricity prices are Germany, Denmark and uh, Belgium. There are figures that are coming out from Eurostat. Customers in Ireland here, we pay €254 more per year for our electricity than the average across Europe, according to calculations that have been broken down by Bonkers.ie. And it was based on this Eurostat report. However, the report 
doesn't capture the full extent of the energy crisis because the figures when that report was compiled was long before the war broke out in Ukraine and also it was before many suppliers started increasing their prices again, particularly at the start of this year. Uh, and of course, we know and we have been told that all of us as householders will be paying about €800 Euro more per year in electricity prices. And that's due to all of the recent price hikes that we've had. And the high cost of electricity comes despite the fact that there's around a dozen suppliers in the residential market. We, you know, there was a time when we, we had little or no competition when it came to electricity. But we've got, you know, around a dozen suppliers. So there is a lot of competition out there. And still, we are paying huge, huge amounts on our bi-monthly electricity uh, bill bills. The Eurostat report also shows that Ireland is the eighth most expensive for residential gas. We're not as bad, but we're still pretty bad enough within the EU. And Dara Cassidy, who we've spoken spoken with many times with that website bonkers.ie he went on to explain that the tax here was not the main reason that our energy prices are higher than the EU average because believe it or not according to Dara of bonkers.ie energy is one of the few products where Irish consumers are taxed relatively lightly compared to the EU average. So taking a look at government taxes and charges, you know, things like VAT and the public services obligation, that PSO levy that everyone detests paying, it makes up around 20% of the final bill. I even think that's, that in itself is e- even high. Uh, but that's that's what we pay. So 20% of the bill goes straight away to the government. But if you look at other EU countries and how their government put taxes and charges and levies and VAT on their energy bills. They work out the average across the EU is about 36% goes on top of their bill. So while we might bemoan and hate paying taxes and hate paying levies to the government on electricity bills, particularly when our electricity bills are so high, we can kind of see heave a sigh of relief that we're not as high when it comes to taxes in other EU uh, country. But if you net out the government taxes and charges, it means that the prices charged by suppliers for electricity here is still the most expensive, one of the most expensive in the EU. And that's how we end up paying. Well, last year we would have ended up paying on average €254 above the average. But, you know, coming out fourth highest in Europe for our electricity. Uh, Pretty shocking indeed. And with electricity prices rising all the time. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. And a call actually that came in yesterday from a listener who wanted us to find out, was there a cruise liner going into Bantry this Saturday. I'm, I'm assuming from the text I think that came in, somebody perhaps wants to go and visit. People like to visit areas when the, the cruise liner is there to take a look at it because they can be quite stunning because they're huge, huge uh, vessels. And somebody wants to know, was there a cruise liner arriving in Bantry this Saturday? Well, I can tell you, there's not. But there is one arriving next Monday, the 16th of May. The cruise vessel called the World Explorer will arrive into a Bantry and it'll be there from 8 in the morning until 6 in the evening. And then two days later, on the 18th of May, tomorrow week, the Spirit of Adventure will be coming to Bantry. It'll dock at half six in the morning. It'll be there until five o'clock. And talking of cruise ships, great picture on the back page of the Examiner today by David Creedon. And it is the cruise ship 
ambience as she arrived for a visit to a cove and it's just it's a gorgeous photograph because it's a picture of the cruise ship but it also it's taken from land obviously you can see all the pretty houses and businesses in Cork and in Cove and it just Cove looks really really striking in the photograph and that's on the back page of the examiner today well done to photographer David Creedon thank you Breitha has been on to us reacting to Pat who got the electricity bill in and the electricity bill states that the government credit of 192 euro inclusive of VAT has been applied and Pat is wondering where does the other 8 euro uh, go I said I'll have to check my electricity bill to see what wording was actually on it when I get home later on but Breathing Mallow was on she's just checked her electricity bill and she said my credit to the electricity bill was for 203 euro says Breathing in Mallow so is it varying from bill to bill I don't know and can I just thank you for that Breathing can I just give you an update on the Maureen O'Hara statue that we mentioned last week at the beginning of the programme last week we were talking about the Maureen O'Hara statue that had been erected in Glengarriff. It didn't last very long. I think it was up for about 48 hours and there was a lot of criticism. A lot of people didn't like the statue and I remember at the time feeling sorry for the sculptor who had put a lot of work into this statue and I did make the point when it comes to art, it's almost like beauty's in the eye of the beholder. What I might think looks lovely, you might not like at all and it seemed to be very much when it came to the statue of Maureen O'Hara and people were wondering why Cork County Council removed the statue so quickly. I was reading in yesterday's Irish Examiner a piece by Sean Murray who said that um, Cork County Council hit out at what he termed the persistent distressing negative online commentary that led to them removing the Maureen O'Hara statue in Glengarriff and it had only been installed for a couple of days. The council said it sincerely regretted the distress caused to the art artist responsible and to his family and the inappropriate anonymous commentary had become a feature of the reaction to the community projects. And the sculpture is a gentleman by the name of Don Cronin. He had been commissioned in uh, 2020 to design a uh, statue, which he went on to do. Then when it was erected, heavily criticised on social media. Uh, Some people were complaining that it didn't look anything like Maureen uh, O'Hara. And because of the online commentary, Cork County Council decided to uh, remove it. The council says it was satisfied that it was a good representation of a youthful looking Maureen O'Hara. It had artistic measure. It was appropriate for installation in a public place and they felt it fulfilled the objectives that had been set out by the town and village renewal scheme uh, because obviously that's where the funding uh, came from. So Cork County Council said then that they regretted that following the persistent distressing negative online commentary about the installation that had been reported by local us, I take it, and other local stations and national media, the artist seemingly indicated that it was his preference to remove the sculpture and he refused the uh, commission and the council uh, ended their statement. I'm assuming it was a statement they issued to Sean Murray saying that they are disturbed that inappropriate anonymous online commentary had become a prevalent and an unfair means to respond to community projects such as this. And when I was talking about it last week, I was making the point that I just watched that programme, the Scannell programme on RTE, where they had been discussing the Anna Livia. Remember the floozy in the jacuzzi that went up in O'Connell Street back in the 90s in Dublin? 
That true, huge criticism at the time. No, true, true. favourable response as well. Some people thought it was great, but a lot of Dubliners didn't like it at all. And then, of course, they got the name, the floozy and the jacuzzi, and people were using it to dump rubbish, and people were putting washing up liquid into it and thought it was a great laugh to have bubbles all over O'Connell Street. And eventually, that was removed. The council gave in and removed it. But it's interesting, this time, it really wasn't the council's decision to remove it. It was the sculpture uh, who said that uh, he wanted it removed and refused the commission. So at least now people can get an explanation as to what was taken down in such a short period of time. 081, and my heart goes out to Dan Cronin, the sculpture, as I say. He did what he felt was his, the best representation he felt of a youthful look of Maureen O'Hara, but it wasn't to everybody's taste, unfortunately. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862. 103, 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, Piper's Showman's Caravan, or Piper's Wagon, as it's more commonly known as, has been an institution in the town of Kinsane for almost nine But the council has decided to evict the wagon from Short Quay, and many local people are not happy about the decision. To find out more, I'm joined from the Piper family by Brendan, and also on the line is uh, can- local councillor Sean O'Donovan. Good morning to you, gentlemen. And you're welcome. Brendan, can I start with you? Could you just give us a little bit of the history behind uh, Piper's Wagon? It was all part of the fun fair. Yes, Patricia, that's right. Patricia, what was the showman's wagon? It was built by my grandfather in Shark King in 1932. He was at the age of 18. He came off when that time when he used to travel around, did all West Cork. And the fun fair always came to Kingsley for the Kingsley Regatta. That would be my great-grandfather and my father, uh, my grandfather. And what had happened, he didn't he come into King Seal every year for the regatta. He fell in love with King Seal, so he settled in King Seal. And he settled in Shark Key. Well, that's where he built the showman's wagon in 1932, and he set up his little fair beside it in 1932 as well. And that, that showman's wagon, that's his own design. It was out of his own head. Yeah, and it's quite, I mean, anyone who's who's ever been to Kinsale, it's, it's quite iconic. People will know exactly what you're talking about. Well, yeah, as they say, people say, when it came back to me recently, a um, person said to me, like, you're not in Kinsale. To prove that you're in Kinsale is to take a photograph beside the showman's wagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the fun fair then, the, uh, is, is the fun fair still running? The fun fair, that's the another issue. As well, Patricia, where the council went us out of the town park, where there since nine, since nineteen thirty nine, we started off. Your grandfather started off nineteen thirty two in Sharkey, and he moved to um, just privately owned at the time the town park, and he was asked, he can, he was asked to move into the town park nineteen thirty nine with the show, the fun for, and which he did, and this year when I played for the the town park. First of all, when I applied for the Tom Park two years ago for the lease of Tom Park, I was told the rent has gone up, double the rent, and also that I had to move another condition. The, the showman's wagon has to be moved permanently from Sharkey. This year, when I applied for the, the fund fair for the, for the park, for the lease, they told me, the council, I didn't hear back from them for a while. I kept bringing them. When the third time I got back to me, 
and they said the conditions are that the um, you only three years left this year, next year, and the year after. So two twenty five your last year in the Tom Park. Why? I said, why? That's what I asked them, Patricia. So why they were slow to give me an answer, but they came back with an answer. Then was um, there's some business people in the town don't want the fun fair in the car park. Because it's taking That's up parking space. Because it's taking up parking. And I said, what about tradition? That has changed in 30 years. I said, it's not 30 years. I said, uh, when you're fishing, it's not 30 years. It's over 80 years we've been coming there. Time to move on, he says. And that's the answer. So okay, take, I, take they me. said to me then, Patricia, sorry. Yeah. They said to me, you've got, you've got your three years now to find another location in Kingsale. I said, there's another location in Kingsale. Well, that's the end of the fun fair. This year then, I posted to go in, after the, I was taken back from what the, the official says to me, that the town, that the business, some business people in the town want, want us out of the car park. And I said, because of COVID and all that, I said, what I do, I won't, we won't go in this year, but I won't go in with the fun fair this year, um, but we can hopefully come in next year. I give it to the, if the business people of the town, some of the business people of the town are complaining about the fun fair, being inside in the back, the, the business people can have it this year if I can go in next year. But if I, but then when I go in next year, like I said, that's the start of my three years. And and then it, you'll and be then gone on, unless you, you can find. Uh, yeah, and okay. Well, I mean, that is in itself a separate issue. But just go back to the the wagon uh, first of all. The, wasn't didn't the council ask you to remove it last year? I remember reading about this. I think April of last yeah. year. That's right, Patricia. Um, last year, when I applied, that was one of the conditions in, in 2021. I applied, 2020, sorry, before the pandemic, I applied for it and for the park, going back to the park. They said the double rent. Last 2021, I applied for it. They came back to me. Uh, you can go in, this is the conditions, double it, double it in, and not even then, just did it done. Second condition. Showman's uh, wagon has to come out of Sharkey permanently. I went back to them. And, and is, it, is it permanently parked on Shortkey? What it, yeah, what it is, when I say permanently parked, Patricia, it's there for, that was her winter quarter. She was there every winter and, during, and for the summertime. And then it would move. It goes down to the park. That was all part of the tradition. She, when we had the fun fair build up, she, uh, the, the showman's wagon joins the fun fair. Okay, but what the what the councillor now saying to you is, is you can't leave it there in well, the winter come, in, in yeah. all year round. Okay, stay there because I want to bring in uh, Sean O'Donovan because Sean Sorry, O'Donovan, Patricia, could yeah. I put one? What they're what they're saying is it's not that it can't only that it can't it can't stay there. It's illegally parked, or you have no rights whatsoever. That's what the councillor is saying to you. That's what okay, saying. let me bring in Sean, Councillor Sean O'Donovan. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Now, you, you, you've been a big campaigner for keeping the showman's caravan in Kinsale, haven't you? I mean, you were, you got involved last year. I did, I did. Um, I suppose it's been in Kinsale since 1932. Um, it's part of the the walking, the heritage tour of Kinsale. Um, anyone who goes to Kinsale gets a picture with it. It's, it's iconic, really, I suppose. You know, it's a very recognisable vehicle. It's unique, I suppose. There's, there's very few of them um, in the country. I know if you go to England, you have to go into a museum and pay to go in to see the likes of it. 
uh, it's part of the culture and the fabric of Kinsale for generations and generations. And I just think it it would be a huge loss not to have it in um, in Kinsale anymore. But didn't last year when the council asked Brendan and his family to move it from Short Key, didn't that get sorted out? Uh, it didn't. I actually brought a motion to um, our municipal district, which was supported by the majority of councillors, um, to, to let it remain in Kinsale. But the, the hierarchy in Cork County Council are, are demanding that it to be taken out there and not left there. I suppose a little bit of history about Short Key, Patricia, is that uh, the Cork County Council have a part eight planning there with 10 years, I suppose, or more. And then this year, Board Fault had a considerable fund of money to uh, do it up and put in an outdoor dining area. Mm. So I think that's possibly what the thinking behind Cork County Council was to remove the caravan. But uh, I suppose as of today, Board Fault are, are not going ahead with the outdoor dining area in Sharkey. So it's going to kind of remain as it is. Um, and I just so does that see. mean the caravan can stay there? In my opinion, it should be staying there. Um, but the council are adamant that it, it won't be staying there. You said, was it you set up the online petition? Uh, no, it was the guy in uh, Marcorine in, in. Oh, from in the state. Green Party. Yes, correct. And yeah. there was a there was a Save Piper's caravan. There, I, I mean, I was looking at that. About a thousand people signed that. Like a lot of people are upset by this. Absolutely, and it's only going. That's, that's only in the last five days. So, I think it's at eleven hundred or something this morning. Um. I, I think there's an awful lot of uprage and the council don't realise how cross people are and can say it over it. It's been there for 90 years and it's causing no harm to no one, only improving the image of the town. And I know certain business people in other towns have said, God, bring it to our town. We'd love to have it in our town, you know. And we're losing so much of our heritage. It's such a shame. People people don't realise what we're losing, you know, until it's gone. Yeah, and, and it isn't that there's a cost attached to this. No, absolutely it's, nothing. You know, no, yeah. no cash to the council. No there, to anybody. And Sean, you would know Kinsale better than I. Is there anywhere else where Brendan could locate the caravan? Well, I, I suppose where it is, it's it's safe because like there's businesses all around us and it's kind of off the main street, we'd say, you know. What I'd be afraid of is that if it was moved to, we'd say, the, the car park on, on the pier would be that after, you know, nightclubs or whatever, pubs and all the rest of it, that's... It could be damaged or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah, you it would be very that. out in the yeah, open. You don't, you don't want that. You don't want no, that. No, it's actually been fully restored, like in the last 12 months as well. So there's a lot of work going into it, you know. And I can see a number of people uh, contacting us here, uh, really taken aback by this story, including Dave says, Patricia, completely agree with Councillor Sean O'Donovan and Brendan Piper on your programme this morning. Why would anybody want to remove a gorgeous piece of old Kinsale? Great to see the huge support for the Piper family. Really hope that somebody in power steps in to reverse this awful decision. Kind regards. And from David in Lep and somebody else says I cannot believe that they're going to remove this caravan I've got photographs taken at that when I was a child uh, and last summer I actually bought my own children there and set up a similar photograph of, uh, of with, with my children now so it's, it's very much in people's memories It absolutely is um, and the memories of that on the key like we, as kids we were all down there and that was our entertainment. There was no sun holidays to Spain and all the rest of it. And it, it's tradition, I suppose, and that's that's the big thing. Like, and the council are prepared to just kick tradition out of Kinsale, which I just think isn't good enough, you know. Brendan, have you a plan B? I have no plan B. There's no plan B whatsoever, Patricia. This is all, all we want to do as a family is just to keep a, a little traditional fund for our God and keep our... Um, 
or uh, someone's wagon and can see what was what was um, what was built and made. And the same as the funfair. The funfair was it's not as if he, my grandfather came off the road with a funfair. He didn't. At eighteen, he came off the road, Patricia, and he started his from scratch. He started his funfair in Sharkey beside his wagon. In 1932. It's not as if he, yeah. he was on the road with the show. He, yeah. he started from scratch. So everything, the fun fair, the showman's wagon, that's all Kinsale. Okay, Ma- Marion Kinsale wants to know, she says she doesn't know if she's right or wrong, but was the showman's wagon, was it offered a space in the town park and would that not be a better location? It was offered. What happened there was the Cork County Council said me, Right, said through the councillors um, that Piper State and Kingsale, they can find a turn of the site, but they, they, they'll have to find a turn of the site in Kingsale. There's no turn of the site, which is the only turn of the site was with the, with the park, where the fun fair goes. Now, saying that, when you put in, as Sean just said earlier, with nightclubs, and it to be wide open for the, for the safety of it and the security of it. It wouldn't be the right place to put it. Okay. All right. So this is an issue that certainly is not going to go away. Sean, can you bring it up? Again? Will you be bringing it up again at council level? Absolutely. We had yeah. a meeting um, last week, and um, I suspended the standing orders discussed this, and the meeting was fairly heated. So it was uh, agreed that we'd have a special meeting um, this week now on the wagon alone, and hopefully try to come to some solution for it. You know. Okay, all right, keep us there. Uh, uh, Brandon, have, yeah? Would, would you mind just, could I just thank Sean and Alan Coleman for all their, their help and the 100% help they've given me and also to the people of Kingsale and Bandon and further field. I, I'm getting emails from, I got an email from America, I got one from New Zealand and I got one from Australia saying about the same stories that lady said about the photographs of the yeah. showman's wife and her kid. But I'd just like to take the opportunity and your good self, Patricia. Thank you so much. Well, that's our pleasure. And the Marys were all part of all of our childhood and we've every one of us, I think, have happy memories of visiting the Marys at some stage, uh, particularly Pipers. Listen, uh, Brendan, thank you for that. We'll keep in contact and Sean, keep in contact with us as well. And uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, uh, good morning to you. And just on the Maureen O'Hara uh, sculpture that I mentioned, uh, somebody said, Patricia, the sculpture of Maureen O'Hara was was a beautiful piece of art, but it didn't represent the very attractive, vibrant lady that Maureen O'Hara was. She always appeared vibrant. She always appeared laughing. And that's what people's memories of Maureen O'Hara are. Whereas the sculpture had a much more serious look about it, much more like a staid uh, lady. That, to me, Maureen never was, but that's just my opinion, says a listener by text to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. I've just passed a text in from somebody when we talk about the removal of Piper's Caravan in Kinsale by the council. Somebody says, especially if the council could take a look at the state of public toilets across the county, they might change their priorities and focus on something else. Thank you for that to 0862 103 103. Now moving to a completely different topic because dog owners who are planning their summer holidays this year are being advised to seek kennel accommodation for their pets 
as soon as possible. Why? Because a massive increase in demand has led to a shortage of spaces this year. To find out more, I'm joined by Donal Delaney. Donal is with Beach Grove Boarding Kennels, which is based in Upper Glanmire. Good morning to you, Donal. Good morning. And you're, and you're welcome. Is this surge in demand, Donal, is, is, is it down to the number of people who got pets, especially dogs, during the pandemic, do you think? Um, there's three problems with it. Number one, the increase in dogs. The other thing is the increase in holidays and some of the smaller kennels are after closing. Oh God, it's a perfect storm, isn't it? All, yeah. all, yeah. all coming t- together. And, and you're right, I think a lot of people are heading away this year because they weren't able to get away the last two years and if they did staycations, they might have been able to bring their dogs uh, with them. Taking a look at your own kennels, are, are you, have you vacancies for this summer? No, not until September. June, July and August, you're fully booked. Yeah, we'd normally be booked from about mid-July until the last week of, of August. So this is never, you've never seen demand like this? Absolutely huge demand. And how many kennels would you have? 25. Fully booked for June, July and August. Goodness, yeah. goodness. So that means that people who perhaps regularly have used your kennels will be disappointed when they... No, well, what? We, we keep our regular customers happy. Oh, do you? Okay. That's, that's our, um, we say, operation here, that we look after our regular customers. And a new customer, like when you're bringing a dog in here, we're familiar, uh, a regular dog, we're familiar with the dog, we're familiar with their food and their need to do with the dog. And their habits and... Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So it's going to be the new dog owners are the ones thinking, oh sure, I'll just ring up a dog kennel. I'll have no yeah. problem bro- booking the dog uh, in. Yeah. You mentioned also, uh, Donal, that some kennels have closed. What's um, the explanation for that? Well, number one, it's a seven days a week job. So you, um, you, if you're a single person or whatever it is, you get no break from it. Um, myself and my wife look after this. Yeah, but um, the the other problem is small kennels. We'd say from about eight to ten kennels, it's only economical. Um, the cost between food and insurance and heating and all that kind of thing has increased and, and the price of kennels, we've gone up two euros per day per dog. But like two euros doesn't go very far with, with price inflation at the moment, you know. So when we're hearing about the running costs with businesses, it's, yeah. it's also affecting kennels. I mean, I, I would take something as simple as, as dog food. That's probably increased yeah, in dog, price. Dog food has gone up. Um, depending on some of the brands, um, some of the brands have gone up probably five and six euros a bag. Yeah. yeah and so um, it's, not, it's not just it, food costs for humans, it's food costs yeah. for for animals as well. Well, all the, like I have hens and ducks and things there as well now we buy food for them and that has all gone up four and five euros a bag. You mentioned insurance. I mean, yeah. insurance, why would insurance costs at, at a kennel? We have public liability and... Ah. The public liability, any liabilities are closing businesses, basically. Yeah. We only did an interview on public liability and the problem with public liability, as we discussed we yesterday, yesterday, there isn't competition. competition. No, no competition, no. One, one company doing them. That's it. So you have, you, have to, you have to take whatever whatever premium they, are, uh, yeah, they offer. Yeah. 
What do you suggest, Donal, as an alternative if somebody can't get Fido into a kennel? Well, probably um, house sitters is probably the only other option at the moment because you can't, like if you were to open a new kennel in the morning, the first thing is planning permission is very problematic because of barking dogs. And the second thing then is it, like the cost of opening a new kennel is horrendous. With, with steel price, timber prices, all that kind of building costs have have gone up 50%. How long are you running your kennels in Upper Glenmore? Uh, we're 18 years. And what, what got, got you into it? Um, there was a friend of mine down the road here, Nancy Gard, and she um, started back in the 80s when nobody else had kennels and we were very friendly and the long and the short of it anyway is we ended up doing the kennels when they closed up. Do you love it? Absolutely. You're obviously a pet lover. I'm gone to the dogs. <laughs> and uh, how do, dog, do the dogs get on with the other dogs or do you have to keep them all um, apart? They're all kept in separate. Um, we have indoor kennels and outdoor runs for if we have bad weather and we have outdoor paddocks with, with boxes and things in them. So the, the big dogs uh, go out more so than, than the small dogs, but the small dogs, we've runs for them as well. But all the big dogs are kept separate, like unless they're family pets that are two together, or three or four sometimes. And do dogs adapt to time spent in the kennels? Oh, yeah. Or most do, definitely, yeah. But do, do they get homesick? Do they pine for their owners? Or? Um, the young, a, a pup will adapt to a kennel in, in an hour or two. As quick and as that? As quick as that, or even less. And the old, um, if we, a lot of the dogs we have come in year after year, time after time, and they know the place, and the minute they turn in the lane above, they know where they're going. And, and it's, it's like them going on their little holiday. Exactly. <laughs> and then when the owners come back to collect them after the week or two yeah. weeks away, that must be special. Well, it is sometimes, but some of the collies get. Um, uh, upset with you, Honor, because you put me in the kennels and I'm not talking to you now. <laughs> but mostly the collies will do that. They're quite intelligent dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, the other dogs in their excitement and see the children coming to collect the dogs in as well. Just, you know. But the collie will do a bit of sulking. Mm, about 50%. Yeah. And do you, have, do you have dogs of your own? Five only. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have yourself? I have two um, two Jack Russell, one is a Jack Russell cross and one is a miniature Jack Russell and three Labradors. And they don't mind having all these dogs come to visit? I should they, they fall in with all the rest of them. They're, run, they're running the kennels this year. Yeah. All right. Okay, listen, but good words of advice uh, to people. If At this stage, if you haven't booked your kennel, it looks like it is unlikely you're going to get a space. Yeah. Uh, failing that, to try and go for house sitters, pet sitters. Listen, Doran, pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Not, not, a, not about it. Continue Keep good luck it. with your business. Thanks for joining us. Keep
Keep the faith. Keep the faith. We will indeed. God bless. Take care. That is a lovely man. That is Donald Delaney of Beach Grove Boarding Kennels and they're based in Upper Glanmire and unless you've got your slot booked with them for this summer you're having to hope of getting Fido into the kennels. Anne is reacting to our piece with uh, Brendan Piper and the news coming from Kinsale that the council are to evict Piper's showman's caravan Piper's wagon from Short Quay in uh, Kinsale and uh, Anne is really taken aback by this story and says the council shouldn't be allowed so much power. It should be left up to the people of Kinsale. They should be entitled to have their say what should be kept or not kept in the town. It really is a shame if they're going to get rid of what is a lovely, lovely pit, bit of history. And so many people have lovely memories of this uh, at a time when they say we're children with their own parents as well. And then Martina says when we're talking about, you know, something as famous as Piper's uh, Wagon, and things that we associate with perhaps growing up or with family members. Martina says the bandstand that once was in Fitzgerald's Park, a new bandstand replaced it. She often wonders what happened to the old one and where is it? She thought that was an iconic structure. 0818 103 103. Let's take a break and head to the newsroom for News at 11. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Alison on Twitter at C103 Cork reacting to my piece in the last hour with Donald Delaney of Beach Grove Boarding Kennels in Upper Glanmire. Karen says, my dog Karen Barkenter is a regular at Beach Grove and loves visiting uh, Donald. Yeah, I was just wondering how dogs settled into kennels. But I'm intrigued, Alison, by your, first of all, that you have a dog called Karen, but that your dog has this, is that a surname? Barkenter? <laughs> or is it the dog's second name I'm wondering because it just got me thinking when I was growing up we had a collie dog called uh, Mandy it got th- got kicked out of a car one day in our neighbourhood and this poor little pup was running up and down the road yelping and barking and my mother got be good to her just couldn't put up with listening to this dog barking anymore and uh, went out in the early hours of the morning and took in the uh, pup and then that dog went on to live with us for I think the next uh, 17 years became a much loved pet but in our neighbourhood all of our dogs had the surname of the given family like our dog was known affectionately by the neighbours as Mandy Messenger like across the road Ted Purcell lived Tip Butler lived next door and Coco O'Brien was a gorgeous dog that lived up the hill who killed killed, one of our, one of, killed my kitten and would, was forever known any time I passed Coco O'Brien I was disgusted with him because he'd killed my kitten uh, but all of our dogs had surnames and I don't know was that something that was just in our neighbourhood or is that something that happens in other neighbourhoods that when you're referencing a dog that the dog's surname is also used and I remember when Mandy Messenger our dog passed away there was calls around the neighbourhood to tell the people that Mandy Messenger had uh, passed away and uh, after 17 years she was a well-known institution uh, in the neighbourhood anyway as I said as I, so it was just when I saw Karen's dog or Alison's dog called Karen Bark enter I was wondering is that her second name or is it the dog's surname 0818 now I've been talking about about the electricity credit that the government have given to try to help everybody with the high cost of living and the high cost of electricity costs. And this was kicked off by Pat, one of our listeners, just got in their electricity bill and it says that the government credit, inclusive of VAT, was just €192. And Pat was wondering what has happened to the other €8 because of the government not providing 
€200 by way of uh, the electricity credit to all of the utility uh, companies. Now, a number of people were on to say that on their bills, the credit was down as €176. Now, the reason that you'll see €176 written, and I think it depends on the way your utility company lays out the bill. The €200, how the government, how it's made up, how it's broken down, it's €176.22. That's how much electricity you're getting free from the government excluding VAT. But then when you add the VAT onto it, the VAT is at €23.79. That brings it up to, actually, if you add the two together, it's cent. because a number of people are saying there was a, they got an extra one cent and that's the reason for it. It's €200.01 is what it works out at. But if you see on your bill a credit from the government of €176.22, it's excluding that. The VAT is then included. So you, you still do get the €200.00 credit and don't worry if your bill has come in and you haven't used 200 euro worth of electricity you might only have used 100 euro the other 100 euro gets held over and in two months time your next bill it'll come off that instead but thank you there was a lot of calls in on that this morning to 0818 103 103 keep your texts and calls coming as well and when I was speaking with Donal Delaney of of the Beach Grove Boarding Kennels. We ended up, I mean, we were talking about we had initially invited him on because we're hearing of because of a rise in pet ownership and because so many people are going on holidays it's leading to a shortage of spaces in kennels this year but there's a third problem thrown into the mix that Donald was explaining to us and this is to do with the number of kennels that have closed up shop and a lot of that is to do with the rising cost of insurance and the rising cost of running a business and we know that every single business is getting affected by rising costs and if you're a very small business running on very tight margins all you need is one thing to tip you over and it could be a higher premium on your insurance could be your higher electricity bill with Donald he was explaining about the cost of dog food simple thing like that that's all gone up uh, in price so your profit margin is getting eaten into and if you're at, if you're making very little starting out then with inflation the way it's rising at the moment I can understand why people are going out of business and I know people in the hospitality uh, industry many of them particularly the smaller businesses you know smaller cafes that are running smaller tourism groups that run on very very tight uh, margins they will be pleased to hear that the lower rate of 9% VAT and this is for both the hospitality and the tourism sector it is going to be extended at least until the end of next year. The lower rate of 9%, it was expected to expire. The government had said it would expire at the end of August of this year. But now a senior source is saying that the government is anxious to help what is the hard hit sector uh, following the ending of the emergency wage subsidy scheme, the EWSS, that now is gone. So that's putting some businesses under huge pressure. So the 13.5% VAT rate, so that's what is normally applied to hospitality and tourism, that was cut to 9%. The cut was introduced in the, the 2020 budget and of course at the time it was part of the fiscal package which was designed then to help businesses to survive through the pandemic. I mean, we were right in the middle of the pandemic when it was first introduced. Introduced, As I mentioned, the rate 
so, so they reduced it down to nine. It was meant to revert back to 13.5% on the 1st of September this year. And that obviously was raising fears within the sector that the hike was going to push some business viability into jeopardy. While it's still not clear exactly how long the lower rate will apply, it's understood that it could return to the higher rate of 13.5% at some stage in the new year, but nobody knows when. When Pascal Donoghue is set to make an announcement following today's Cabinet meeting, and that's in a move that is likely to be welcomed by the industry because they have been probably among the hardest hit by the pandemic. And I know the Restaurant Association of Ireland and their Chief Executive, Adrian Commons, he had previously called for the 9% VAT rate to be kept warning that the members' survival would otherwise be in jeopardy. There are some people really hanging on by the skin of their teeth and if the VAT was to go up, that means they'd have to increase uh, prices and they fear that they would just have to close their front doors because they, they fear that they wouldn't be able to add it on, to pass it on to uh, customers. Adrian Commons last night welcomed this news that the government are talking about saying that it will help restaurants and pubs ahead of what he said could be a difficult tourism season ahead. And he said the Restaurant Association, they will continue to advocate for a continuation of this 9% VAT and they want it left in place till at least the end of 2023. Now, there's nothing coming from the government to say that they'll get that until the till December of uh, 2023. But what it is, what's been indicated now is it certainly will remain in place after the 1st of September when it was meant to revert back to 13.5%. So I said certainly a little bit of good news for those in the hospitality and tourism industry. Texts and WhatsApps are open at 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. The Euro giant store in Mallow. They're looking for sales assistance. Please call into the store in person with your CV or you can email mallow at euro2.ie. Corks 96 and C103 are looking for a receptionist based in Broadcasting House in Cork City. CVs please to the HR manager at 96fm.ie and you need to have them in before the 22nd of May. A person with mechanical and electrical experience is wanted for repairs, servicing and installation of industrial air compressors that may suit a second or third year apprentice. Full driver's licence is necessary. CVs to P. Galvin at ips.ie and ward personnel they're hosting a recruitment open day next Monday 16th of May from 4pm until 7pm it'll be in the Silver Springs Hotel in Cork and it's for anybody looking to work in construction or anybody looking to work in production you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Just on the price of energy, uh, that we are paying some of the highest prices for electricity, fourth highest, and we are about based on last year's figures we're about 250 euro above the EU average and that figure is going to go even higher because we know energy costs have risen so much since the start of this year Heidi says uh, good morning Patricia the war in Ukraine Heidi feels has been blamed for all hikes in prices not only home heating oil fuel for vehicles and 
Heidi feels that energy companies are taking a liberty. I think anything to make an easy buck. We know we have to pay our way, but I think this government should be fighting harder for us. We here in Ireland have some of the highest prices for energy in Europe and that in itself says it all. Well, yeah, according to that report out, we're the fourth highest in Europe. You won't be surprised uh, to hear that, Heidi. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Now, Green Party councillor Liam Quaid has said he feels extremely disappointed for the residents of Onakara and their family members after the junior minister for mental health, Mary Butler, said she refused to engage any further in the closure of the East Cork Mental Health Centre. Now, Maureen, your brother is a resident at Onakara. Good morning to you. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it, it's, it's, our, it's our pleasure. Firstly, just on your brother's case, what, what does the closing of this centre mean to your brother? I believe he's been a resident there for some 11 years. This is, now, right. this is his home. It is. Oh, absolutely. It's his home. Um, he's now 58 and he's had the happiest 11 years of his life. So it's really a unique centre. Um, it's brought him great stability. Um, the location is fantastic. It's at the centre of town, so people aren't hidden away. We're not shamed, like treating our mentally ill people as in a shameful way anymore. Um, it's really where we need to be in terms of mental health. Um, at the beginning of 2021, very tragically, our eldest brother died of COVID in London at the age of 59. And we were in lockdown at the time. So I couldn't even go to him and break the news. I had to do it over the phone. And it was the staff of the centre that acted as his family at the time. So they were there for him to console him until we were able to meet with him a few months later. And so I'd say enough about the staff on the ground. They're more than very competent professionals. They're also family. They love the people who live there. And when he got a place there, we looked on it as his forever home. So the decision to close last June came as an absolute bombshell. Um, it saved my brother's life, the, the centre, because there's a level of care that can't be provided at home. The HSE has a rhetoric at the moment of curing people and sending them back into the community. What that would actually do, like taking away... Um, the high level of care that they have would be risking their lives. So for me, my fight is for my brother's life wow. as against a budgeting decision. That's very, that you've, that's very powerfully put. And you have summed up, I think, what a, lo- a lot of other family members and residents themselves will say. It's yeah. like a real family unit. In, inside in, in Onakara, which is quite unique within residential settings that every like everybody seems to get on, everybody cares for each other. Yeah. And because people have lived there, I mean, 11 years yeah. is a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who have lived there a lot longer. So, um, I mean, I, you know, obviously it's a matter of public record, everything that has gone on. But when you look at the spending um, of the local HSE, it's incomprehensible. So we're now going to broaden our campaign because we have no other choice. So we're reaching out to residents of Millfield and also to their relatives because there has just been, like the, the local HSE management has been moving around people um, like as if they're pieces on a chessboard 
as if they're inconsequential. And we do feel that the decision to close Oanakura was done during the cyber hack of the HSE computers and also during COVID. So maybe they thought that we'd all go quietly. And that wasn't the case, because I certainly am not prepared to roll over. If it was a decision based on um, facts that were defensible, that would be one thing. But I'm a lawyer, so I did read the report, and I found that every claim that they were making wasn't actually backed up by the facts. So then I started reaching out, and I found other people who said the same. I mean, Councillor Liam Quaid has been extremely helpful and supportive all of the way because he understands the issues um, as a psychologist much better than I would, you know. And but he, but even, when, even when the members of the Oireachtas Committee came down, yeah. the Oireachtas Health yeah. Committee came down and mm-hmm. viewed Onakara, they had nothing but good things to say about the centre and and spoke about the need to keep the centre in place. And I mean, it wasn't just one visit. Um, Going back to last summer, uh, Senator Francis Black and other members of the the Subcommittee on Mental Health interviewed all the relatives, first of all, all the relatives that, you know, that were in a position to speak about the meaning of the centre. So they really did their investigation. They then called in uh, members of the local HSE management to talk about the decision to close. And then they came down to visit. So there was an ongoing investigation from a multifaceted point of view. So they visited the centre, they talked with us, and they visited the alternative, one of the alternatives that was being offered at Starfield's course, which would be the death knell for the integration that has been achieved through Oanakura. And then they came up with the fact that they believed that the evidence on which the closure had been based was, and I quote, unconvincing. And they urged the minister to overturn it. And the minister has just passed the buck back to the yeah, and, and And you're right in explaining what the Arakta subcommittee on mental health did. They investigate. They spoke with all the stakeholders, and that's what I. When I, you know, I always get really frustrated and angry when decisions like this are made, uh, and because they don't speak to the people who are most going to be affected by it and what the effect is going to be. For example, last June, uh, um, morning when this announcement was made, yeah. I mean, had your brother been spoken to? Had any of the residents yeah. been? Had any of the family members? What, 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 how did you hear the news that Onakaro, that your brother's home was to was to, was to close? I, I got a garbled message on my my phone, um, and it just mentioned Michael. So my my heart was in my mouth. Um, I couldn't make out the message, so it had obviously been done from a car phone or something like that. I tried to ring back. It was a private number, so my mobile wouldn't pick up the call. So I phoned my brother and I said, is there anything wrong? And he said, no, but he said that we've just got a letter um, from the HSE announcing the closure of the centre. So I thought, oh, my God, you know, uh, I immediately understood the significance that this was life-threatening for him. It would undo all the stability that we've worked so hard to get him in his life. And um, so I, you know, I, I went and I reached out 
And it's just it's, it's no way to treat people. It's just no way uh, to treat to treat people. And the reason that the HSC have, have always put forward is that the the building isn't up to the standard required. Like, well, like Michael you know, has lived there now for 11 years. You've obviously been in and out of this building over the last uh, 11 years. Like, yeah. how bad is it? Oh, no, it's not bad at all. Koshavon and Yall is the same, uh, exactly the same sense. Uh, there's a place in Framoy as well, and it's just, you know, on exactly the same structure. So, in fact, if they were applying the rationale across the cohort of um, buildings that they have, they'd be closing them all, and maybe that's the plan. I don't know. Um, it's certainly going to be resisted until my last breath. Because and what have you been given? What are Michael's long-term plans? What are the HSCs saying oh, to him and to you? They're saying nothing. 11 months on, they are saying nothing, which is an absolutely indefensible and probably criminal treatment of people with mental health issues. Because we had a meeting in which there was nothing on the table a second meeting in which there was nothing on the table, a third meeting in December when we had stirred the waters significantly in which we were told about this place in Cargilline. I mean, it was still indefensible because why are you moving people out of their area? Um, It's going against the government's policy on mental health. It's going against the HSE's policy on mental health. But, you know, we felt a bit pressurised and compromised. So I attended the meeting and I was promised that we would be contacted in January. We have had no further contact from the HSE, which is completely indefensible. 11 months now, and in, you know... And you're living with that... Living with that constant worry, and I'm sure Michael and the other residents are living with that. You know, they're they're under... and. They're just threat of eviction. I, I know somewhere else will be, will be found for them. But this has been their home. The know? other thing, too, is that they, they have consistently, like the HSE, have consistently misrepresented what is actually happening. Um, they have said in public that each resident has, been, um, has had nine assessments. Now, my brother had had one assessment from an OT. So there's no psychiatric reason to move him. Mm. So they've kind of blurred the waters. On the one hand, the building's in fit for purpose. We all know that that isn't true. And it's just rabbited up the echelons of power. They just keep on coming back to the same thing when it's been disproved. I mean, there must be accountability here. The Oireachtas Committee has investigated the matter over a period of almost a year. And they have said the evidence is unconvincing. So it must be overturned. And if it isn't up to the the said required standards by the HSE, they haven't looked at costing refurbishment work to bring it up to the said standards of the HSE. Well, there um, there have been a number of FOIs Freedom of Information requests, and it turns out that they did get an estimate oh. of 145,000 in refurbishment costs for Onakara, which was never pursued. But then the same management spent 750,000 purchasing um, a property in Cargilline. This is the B&B. That's right. Yeah, they spent yeah. a further half a million on refurbishing it. They were a It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Advice that they needed planning. They ignored that advice. And it's empty almost two years later. So how can you spend 1.2.5, 1... Uh, that money would have gone a long million. way, a long way to have renovated uh, Onakara. It, it Listen, would have renovated it several times over. Maureen, you're holding a public meeting um, Monday to the, Monday week, twenty third. Third, yes, in the Middleton Park Hotel at seven thirty. Okay, and we will be calling on um, residents and relatives of Millfield Garnish House to come and to broaden the protest. Okay, because we're not giving into this. OK, we'll stay in contact with you, Morning. in the meantime. Thank you for that thank and so our much. best wishes to your brother, Michael, and indeed the rest of the residents in Onakara. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That's just really, really hard. And my heart bleeds for um, Maureen to hear that she lost her brother to COVID and then fighting really hard for her other her other brother in Onakara. And bearing in mind that, you know, the residents that live in Onakara, you know, gorgeous, lovely group of people and, and those that have really strong family members and people rooting for them like Maureen are, are the really lucky ones. I don't know if all of them have very strong family members who were able to speak out on their behalf but they're they're very vulnerable and they need to be looked after and uh, protected. Um, so uh, thank you to uh, Maureen for joining us this morning. 0818 uh, 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls. Texts and WhatsApps are also available at 0862 103 103. Court today on C103 with John Cusack and is Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This year's Eurovision Song Contest kicks off with the first semi final tonight and the second on Thursday night, all leading to what will hopefully be a spectacular grand final next Saturday night. To preview this year's contest, our Eurovision correspondent, Johnny O'Mahony. Uh, good morning to you, Johnny. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Nervous with excitement already. I can't believe the week <laughs> is finally upon us. We're heading to Turin in Italy. Turin uh, in Italy, um, right. Italy have hosted before, haven't they? They did in 1965 in Naples. Uh, Ireland's first year actually taking part. And then in 91 in Rome. It was meant to be um, 
the where they, I can't remember now off the top of my head. It, they, oh, San Remo, sorry, where where Eurovision originated from, but uh, because of um, the war in the Baltics and that, there was a, there, there was problems and they they couldn't uh, um, get security or confirm security. So uh, kind of at the last minute, it was transferred to Rome, which was a bit chaotic. But they got through it and. Um, this is their third time hosting now. Okay, so they're, they're, they're good at it, is what yes. we're trying to get across. Okay, have we a theme for this year? Yeah, it's, it's called The Sound of Beauty, and it's based on the study of sound wave phenomena. And the, um, the team art is like turning sound into patterns. And um, it's based, the whole theme then, the it's set on um, the inspiration. Italian gardens have given the inspiration together with the sun to give beauty. And uh, the green room in the arena um, is like set up like an Italian garden, basically. Oh. I suppose you could look at yeah, it's 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 very classy looking, actually. It'll be, and, it'll be uh, quite pretty to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's lots of it's like hedges and you know mazes and stuff like that. But, it, but when you see it first, you kind of look what what is this? But it's it's just to do something different, I suppose, as well from other years. But it's the green room within the arena has, has been in recent years. Will we have full capacity this year? Because, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah because last capacity. year we didn't with yeah. COVID. Where, where the press and all that are concerned now, they've really cut back. And right, the television company, or Italian state broadcaster, they changed everything. They're doing everything their way. It's not the EU. They've cut the numbers <laughs> right across the board where press and you know, people, you know, people and delegations and stuff. Uh, they limited. I presume COVID would be a, a big um, reason for that, but they they've done it um, for uh, financial reasons as well, which I think they've kind of streamlined it more and um, limited. They've taken complete control rather than handing it out to anybody else. Okay. Now, just to explain, as always, it's two semi-finals. First tonight, to the second one on Thursday. Uh, we're not Ireland are not in tonight's. No, we're on Thursday night, yeah. So, um, but Brooke has uh, rehearsed and it's actually gone up in the ratings um, since, you know, kind of pre, pre-rehearsals, like the rehearsal started last week um, when, you know, be- before everything started off initially, it, it wasn't really rated to qualify even. But she's doing very well and the uh, word is that they will qualify and uh, fingers crossed that she will. She's, it, it's a completely different kind of performance from the late late. But uh, she's she's doing very well and popular. And uh, the song is kind of getting it's getting quite a lot of airplay, I believe. Okay, here's a little clip. Yeah, I, I, from the first time I've heard that, it's a song that really has uh, grown on me. And I know what Eurovision songs, you need the impact immediately because for most yeah. people, they'll, they'll get to see it one time and one time only before voting. But OK, we'll, we'll do more talking about Brooke on uh, Thursday. Big talking point and they're on stage tonight, the Ukraine entry. The Ukraine entry. And I was chatting to somebody this morning and they said, like, it's almost definite they're going to win. I... I don't know if it will win. It will definitely win the telly vote, I think, because there will be a simply vote. Um, the jury will vote, uh, have voted already last night from the first or uh, the second full dress rehearsal. So whether juries will go on a professional side or a sympathetic vote has a lot to say in, in the vote because it's half jury and half telly vote. 
So if it was televote, only Ukraine probably would win. But we have to see what the juries will vote. How how if if Ukraine come out kind of um, midway through with the juries, it it could probably carry them to win. Um, and I uh, imagine when they come out on stage tonight. Yeah, they've got standing ovations for every rehearsal. That, have uh, they? Have they? Yeah, there. and that, that's how it's going to be tonight. And I, I think it'll be similar if anybody remembers uh, with Bosnian Mill Street and Bosnian Dublin in 94, 95. They got standing ovations and, you know, it kind of... Um, it's, it's the same situation for them, you know. Yeah, because somebody was only, I, I remembered, because I, I was, we, we broadcast from Mill Street, that's, God, that's nearly, it'll be 30 years <laughs> next year, uh, hard to believe. Uh, but I, I remember the big talking point, of course, the the the, the, Bos- the war, civil war was raging in Bosnia at the time, but the big talking point was that the, as the, t- as the, the, Performers were getting on the runway to take yeah. off in Bosnia. The plane came under fire. Yeah. With the result, they, they actually had to run yeah. from A to B to get on the to plane. To get on the plane. And the composer and the conductor ended up being left on the tarmac. They never yeah. made it to Mill Street. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And but, I think if my memory says right, no, Keelan did conductor. That's because they're... Um, they had no conductor. They, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they could, yeah. It, it was one of those things. And, you know, so I think the, um, the, there is definitely going to be... Um, support for you yeah, here's a tonight clip. and it's almost certain they're going to be in the final and Okay, tonight. here's a clip of the Ukraine song. See, I've heard it a few times and I do, I do like, I love that part of it. Not necessarily like in the rapping part of it, but I do I do like that part of it. But definitely they will qualify uh, uh, tonight. Yes, uh, for it's, sure. it's a no-brainer, I think, that the Ukraine will qualify. Why do I have the Norway Eurovision song in front of me? Is there a story about Norway? What's going on with Norway? There, it's um, it's a story, all right. There's, I think they're performing second last night. Um, give that wolf a banana and they're... Sorry, say that again? Give that wolf a banana. <laughs> the name of the song. And it's, um, I suppose you could, it's Little Red Riding Hood meets um, Eurovision. It's kind of, it, it, I can, the lyrics, um, the, Till That Wolf Beats My Grandma or whatever. And um, the singers have used three uh, dancers dressed in yellow. And then you two guys with, I suppose, wolf heads, but they're a combination of a wolf and a banana. So and, is it in English? It's all in English. Yeah. Okay, here's here's a here's a bit of give that wolf a banana. And before that wolf eats my grandma, give that wolf a banana. Give that wolf. <laughs> and before that wolf eats my grandma, give that wolf a banana. Give that wolf. Give that wolf. Well, you know, before the wolf think, eats grandma, hear, give him a banana. Yeah, um, it's just it's either going to be very popular or not you know it, I don't think it's going to be kind of get consistent high votes but sometimes the medium vote to the ones that count because you know if you get a high vote from one and nothing from another you know so it's just one that you it, it's a typical Eurovision gimmicky thing and then on the other side when you think the dance track side of it, it's just audio it, it's very catchy you know 
Yeah, listen, when jokey songs are sent to Eurovision, we can hang our head in shame. We once sent a turkey, so so that's, yeah, we we definitely can't talk. So tonight, how many on stage tonight? Tonight and 10 picking from it. And uh, then, the from be- the which is the better of the two semi-finals? Uh, Thursday night is a better final. It's more difficult. One. I think if Ireland were on tonight, there's no doubt we'd qualify because I, there's, there's very little tonight, really, of of um, substance. I think there's, I, I can't see any of the songs on tonight actually making it big in any chart anywhere. But um, the as well, what we have tonight it will be clips of Spain, not Spain, Italy and France who are two of the big five, and they'll be performing on Saturday night. They're direct into the final. So they'll be they'll be appearing tonight as well. And one thing that we'd see tonight, um, the show was cancelled, in, obviously, in 2020 due to COVID, but Diodato was um, the, selected to represent Italy in, in Rotterdam in 2020, and they, they're bringing him back to sing his song in Eurovision, giving him his opportunity to perform. Ah, sure yes. yeah, that's, kind, that's kind of a do, sweet thing to do. Uh, yeah, but during lockdown, when lockdown started, it kind of started initially before everywhere else. And uh, people might have seen, you know, videos in apartment complexes where people were singing and, you know, performing, just kind of mixing as best they could. On their balconies, so they were all out balconies. singing. Yeah, yeah. This song that kind of got everybody together, it's a very um, kind of sign of the time, or song of the time from lockdown 2020, the early days, this song. So it's, it's a big thing for Italy to have this performing in Eurovision. And I think, I actually think it, it, this would have won had Eurovision gone ahead in 2020. Um, throughout, you know, kind of around the time when there was no Eurovision, people had different voting uh, nights in different places, whatever. And this won quite a few of them. And so, when uh, will we see that song performed? That's, that's on tonight. Tonight. Now, it, it depends on what, you know, because some stuff is on during intervals and where some countries have intervals. But I'd say it will be, it will be shown from, on RT, hopefully anyway. Will we have an interval act? In yeah, that's one thing. It, it, it's a very long kind of interval. There's, there's different, um, what was I going to say, there's uh, DJ, there's, there's a big disco team in the um, arena tonight and they have um, a lot of um, what's her name Sophie and the Giants who are a British band they're participating Dardos is a huge producer and uh, he's doing um, stuff with the uh, for the the disco Uh, Benny Benassi is another huge um, Italian star music for the Olympics and he he knows the um, the, the, the bowl what's the the Super Bowl Super Bowl yeah okay and uh, there's there's they're, they're all big stars and delighted to be part of of Eurovision you it's know, still it's Eurovision. still as you know they'll have people knocking it but it is still a huge it's, it's a delight huge, with this opportunity yeah. um, and to, to do Eurovision again and uh, as I said they've done their own their own way of doing it and they're, they're so laid back with everything you know oh, it'll happen it'll happen and and that that's how it is, you know, and it's, it's gone very well there and that. And it's, it's, it's massive. Spectac- it's spectacular show. Tonight, it's in massive in the eastern, uh, in all the 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 yes. former Soviet bloc countries, because of course yes. at, at one time, when they were restricted and what they had on TV, the Eurovision was the big one glam event every year it, it, that yes. they got to see. So, yes. somebody, and more so now than ever. Somebody wants to know: Can Johnny ask who's representing the UK this year? 
the UK is Sam Ryder. He was a, a TikTok sensation in the last couple of years. And the UK are tipped to win. It's it's probably their best entry in a long time. He's a very uh, relaxed guy. Um, it's it's called Spaceman, and it's 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 one to watch. If if somebody wants to put money on something, that's the one to watch. And um, what what the fear is now is that the UK, the one opportunity they get to win, they could they'll be beaten by you. Oh, because you know, they have done so badly in previous years. I mean, they've come last a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is their best chance I think for a long time it's 25 years since Catherine and the Waves won to the UK so I mean they're, they're really they're, there's been years where they haven't put in the effort but this this looks very well on stage he sings very well he's real natural you know put it that way very big on TikTok and uh, it remains to be seen you know we, we won't see uh, him we'll see him on Thursday night obviously as the kind of build up in, in the semi-final as the build up for the final because they qualify but uh, it's it's going and there's um, TikTok has everything on it. Um, at Eurovision is the the link there, and Eurovision.tv for any information is um, is all available there. Okay, and, pres- and pre- we have we mentioned presenters. Who's presenting? Well, we have three presenters: Mika, who sang Grace Kelly. If anybody remembers, yeah, that song. fantastic yeah. song. Yeah, and there's Alessandro. I can't remember his surname. No, he's a big TV presenter in Italy, and Laura Pozzini, who's um, Singer, she's she's world famous, and uh, they're a bit kind of cheesy, I suppose to say the least. But I think it, it, you know, once they get live tonight, it'll be more streamlined because you know through rehearsals and all that, there it it hasn't come across. It's they're typical kind of Eurovision presenters, and that there's a lot of shouting and you know um, scripted, unfunny stuff, and then. You know, it doesn't come across as natural as you'd like it to. But it's all in English. There's very, very little Italian, very little French spoken. It's mainly English. And listen, it's the cheesiness is what it's what makes it. If it wasn't cheesy, we wouldn't all be sitting down watching Absolutely. it. And someone but else says, is it true that Russia are not taking part yet? They, well, they're not taking part. It's not no. that they didn't want to take part. They were Absolutely. They're not they were allowed to take part, they're isn't they're, it? They're, yeah, they, they were disqualified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and only right and proper, in fairness. Yeah, right exactly. And, and it, it would have created, you know, a completely different um, level of, in, not, not level of interest, but it would have been a negative impact oh, on the completely, weekend. completely. Okay, so it is live tonight on RTE2, I take it, is it? RTE2. RTE2 um, tonight at 8 o'clock and then we'll talk to you again on Thursday. We'll Don't do a that. run through as who qualified tonight and look forward and we wish and Brooke all the best on Thursday night. Listen, Johnny, thank you for that and enjoy Thanks, this evening. Enjoy uh, you too. Thank you for that. That is Johnny O'Mahony, our Eurovision correspondent. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Tom, especially with reference to the Eurovision Song Contest that you were talking about in the last hour with Johnny O'Mahony. How are England, the UK, able to take part when they're no longer members of the EU, says uh, Tom. Well, you're not on your own in asking that question, uh, Tom. The amount of people who thought that when Brexit happened and the UK voted to leave the EU, the amount of people, including English people, who thought they wouldn't be able to take part in the Eurovision Song Contest. The EU, the Eurovision Song Contest isn't in any way linked to membership of the EU because if you think about it, there's 40 countries taking part this year in the Eurovision Song 
Song Contest. And if you look to the EU, we have with the UK gone, there's 27 countries in the EU. So there's a lot of other countries outside of the EU who also take part. And should think about it, Australia are in the Eurovision Song Contest. They're nowhere even near Europe, let alone being anywhere near the EU. And as Johnny says, the UK, who've done so badly in the Eurovision on previous years and are always desperate to do better. They've gone all out this year and they stand a fighting chance. But I I really do think that let's wait and see how Ukraine get on. But it is all fingers are pointing to Ukraine going to be the outright winners at this year. And you'll see them on stage tonight. Now, let me go to the phone lines. Carmel is in Myrtleville. And she's rang us. Well, I think a bit of a dilemma that others may not be aware of. Good afternoon to you, Carmel. Oh, good afternoon. Carmel, you, you went to do a very simple thing. You wanted to get a little bit of sterling. Yes, I travelled to Douglas in Cork, which is 12 miles from where I live, because the TSB branch in Carrigaline doesn't have any tellers anymore. So if you want to get money over the counter, you have to go to Douglas. Okay. So I queued up for about 10, 15 minutes, and then we were very nice gentlemen over the over the counter and he said oh we don't carry sterling anymore and I said but why he said because most people use their debit card now when they go abroad nobody really is looking for cash well I said I need cash even though I have a debit card I said I like to have a little bit of money when I go anywhere and he said well I'm sorry we don't do it so he said the post office over across in the Douglas shopping centre they carry sterling I said well actually my local post office carries sterling so I said I will go to them but what I was really annoyed about is that the fact that you travel all the way there, you don't know what's going on, and the fact that I, because I'm 77, I don't pay a commission on any money I take out from a... You free, free banking? I have, yeah. Yeah. And um, I said, I have to pay commission now, either with the credit union or the post office. And he said, well, I'm sorry. And yet they have the board up behind their back say, what we buy and what we sell at. Yeah, and of course, if you wait, I, I take it you're travelling to the UK, are you? No, no, I'm only going to Belfast for the weekend. Oh, you're going to Belfast. Uh, and, but even if you go to an ATM machine and take out money, you'll be charged. Of course. Yeah. Of course. yeah so you're of course. Ca- and, you know, I'm I'm a bit like you as well. I always like to have the bit of cash. Oh, I do. Oh, I always like to have cash. My, my debit card is only a backup, really. Yeah. You know, if I need extra money. So but, uh, it's just to make, oh, we're going to get on to permanent TSB just to discover, because yeah. I, I, I actually bank with permanent TSB as well. I yeah. was unaware that they've stopped doing. I, I couldn't believe it when I thought, well, I wouldn't have bothered queuing up if I, you know, well, I was taking out euros anyway, but I just thought, God, almighty, you know, you queue up and then you, you, they turn around and tell you that they don't stock it anymore. I wonder, is it across all banks? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Now, the gentleman behind the counter, it wasn't his fault. He was very polite and nice. But it's just the fact that um, they don't tell you nothing. You know, it doesn't come out in the media. Well, if it did come out in the media, I didn't hear it. You know, yeah, so. and, and I know only at was last during the yeah, last year sometime I was you know popping a birthday card in in the post yes. to a young niece of mine over in England, yes. and she, of course she doesn't want to be opening an empty card. So, no. but I went to the I went to the post office and got. Twenty pounds sterling just to put it yeah. into into the card, but yeah. that was thinking about it now. It was the post office that I went to to get it. Yeah. It wasn't to the bank. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder yeah. when we're going to get on to Burnham TSB. I'm interested to know when did they stop issuing sterling in cash, and have they adv- have they have they told anyone about it? Well, well, I don't know about it, and I'm with the permanent TSB for the last twenty seven eight years. Yeah. Okay, and when when are you heading to Belfast? 
on Friday. And Friday. Just for the weekend? Or are you up there? Oh, I'm, I'm just going to see Andre Rue. Oh, fantastic. Have you yeah. seen him before? No, I haven't. Only oh. on the telly. You'll love yeah. it. You'll absolutely oh, yeah. love it. All right, listen. So. Uh, we'll get on to permanent TSB and okay. we'll see when they come back. Thanks, Carmel. And have a good trip. Uh, and uh, enjoy Andrew, Andrew Rue. I can never say Rio Rio I can never pronounce that man's name uh, but he's fantastic to watch and brilliant to watch uh, live OK so we're getting on to permanent TSB and John Paul says we're also getting on to AIB because we had calls last week from AIB with regard to Sterling as well so they're going to get sick of hearing from us for sure OK we were talking about kennels and the running of kennels and bo- boarding kennels and putting the warning out to people who are planning on going away on holidays if you haven't booked your kennels this year you could be in for a bit of a surprise in that all the kennels may be fully booked out and that led to Donald talking about the cost of running kennels and of course all tied in with all businesses particularly small businesses are really struggling because the cost of doing business everything we know ourselves everything's gone up in price but for people who are in business everything's gone up for them as well and somebody says Patricia I was actually running boarding kennels it was a very small business I was only into my second year when the pandemic hit forced to close obviously then for such a long time so I decided to do this instead I ended up applying to university go you and I got offered a place and this listener says I'm just finishing my first year of counselling and psychotherapy running boarding kennels is a 24-7 commitment and the profit is so very tiny compared with the work that you put in I won't be going back to it I take in a few dogs as home boarders now but I do it when it suits me but I'm considering moving completely away from it as it's financially not worth it Yeah, and in fairness to Donal his kennels his 30 kennels his is one of the bigger kennels he did say that the smaller ones just completely are struggling and that's another reason why there are less and less kennel spaces available and obviously it was something that you really loved doing but you're right it is a 24-7 commitment when you take in a dog uh, or dogs for a week or two weeks while their mammies and daddies go away there's no leaving them you're, you're with them 24-7 listen good luck with your new career choice so many people have opted to do that have they not when you know during the pandemic and people saw it as an opportunity but to go back to university and study is great admiration for you uh, I wish you good luck with it and then when I was talking about the dogs it led me to because somebody had sent in it was a a tweet came in about their dog and the dog appeared to have a surname and that got me thinking of our dog when I was growing up Mandy Messenger who was the whole neighbourhood knew the dog as Mandy Messenger and I was wondering how many other people do they put a surname onto their dogs or was it something that was particular to the neighbourhood where I lived Sheila says Patricia I heard you talking about the surname for the pets I always give mine a surname but as they're not my children within I can't give them our family name says Sheila so they've come to stay with us as guests I've had pigs called Bunty Globetrotter and Ink Spot Hogging Bottom my present three dogs are called Bluebell Toddylocks Demise Mud Puddle and Tory Top Chatterbox. I'd love to hear you calling them in for their tea, Sheila. Anyway, I used to have a posh Shih Tzu called the Lady Blanched Rose. Oh, that's a fantastic name. I don't believe in giving dogs, etc. the names of previous dogs either. As out of respect, they're all individuals in their own right and they deserve to be remembered as such. So says Sheila, who believes they come to stay with us as guests and they do. They're arriving into a fantastic house, I imagine, in your house, uh, Sheila. But yeah, I wonder to, but you're, you're, I've, 
I certainly I've never done that with cats I'm a more of a, more of a cat lover and if you lose a much loved cat I would never go on to call another cat by that name I, is it out of respect is that, is, that, is that what it is as well but when you lose a much loved pet but have others done that where is, if a pet has died or had to be put to sleep would you ever go on to call another pet by the same name like if you had a uh, a dog called Teddy and Teddy passed away would you call a future dog Teddy or if you had a Fido would you call a future dog uh, Fido or as Sheila believes out of respect you shouldn't do uh, that and then I love this one from Mary in the city she said, Mary says Patricia hi my vet used to address the yearly vaccination reminder for my cat Puss the vet used to put on the envelope and you know send it in the post to Puss O'Reardon which I felt was hilarious but ingenious says Mary in uh, Cork City that's yeah. do many other vets do that so you get a letter and it's to do with vaccination or something to do with a reminder of your pet and the surname is actually put on the envelope as well so we take it from that that vets use the family name as well uh, thank you Mary for your text to 0862 103 103 we also spoke earlier with Brendan Piper and the sad, sad news that Piper's showman caravan slash wagon is to be evicted is the word that uh, Brendan has used from Short Key in uh, Kinsale. And lots of people have just so many memories of this caravan and wagon and memories of it. It's been in the town. You know, Brendan went on to explain how his grandfather, Billy, uh, built it. And it was nearly 90 years ago last uh, year. And there's a big petition going on at the moment. It's gone over a thousand, uh, signi- a thousand people have signed it in less than three day- days, calling on Cork County Council to reverse their decision. Tommy in Kinsale says, Hi Patricia, I'm in my early 70s and I remember my late mother taking us there when the late Billy Piper was there. It's a really sad day if this is allowed to happen, particularly to a family that have been so, so uh, good. It will destroy Kinsale, says Tommy. And you're you're not on your own, Tommy. You really are not on your own there. Uh, So many people, I think, would agree with you, particularly when we hear in three days over, well, over a thousand people have already signed that petition to try to get the council to change their minds and we'll have to wait and see will they change their minds or uh, not. Uh, 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. Somebody's just said if you go into any AIB branch they do sterling. You can buy sterling over the counter. Okay so there's a definite from AIB. They certainly do it. Thanks for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the County. See corkcoco.ie. And best of luck to everybody at Mallow Golf Club there today, hosting a pretty in pink ladies open 18 hole four ball event and its native breast cancer research. Bingo is in Shambhalimore Community Centre tonight at 8. They've got a jackpot of €1,850. Everyone is welcome. A Mallow Rugby Club are inviting girls aged 7 to 14 to take part in what they're calling Give It a Try Rugby Programme, which is currently running on Saturday mornings from 11am to 12 midday in the rugby pitch that's across from Tesco. You can contact Ian if you'd like more details 086 251 0504. 
and Shambally Moore Development Association holding their AGM this Thursday night. Now, opening with talks from Ballyhower Development Group at 7pm. It'll be in the community centre. They'll follow it up with the AGM for the Shambally Moore Development Association. Please, people are asked to come along and to discuss the future of the uh, community. And a coffee and entertainment morning will be held this Friday at Ivy's Bar in Donwell from 11am to 1pm. It's to raise funds for Art for the Heart. Also a chance to share information about upcoming events, including the uh, Donwell Saura Festival. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Just got a voice note in on... Uh, WhatsApp. And don't forget, you can use our voice notes 0862103103. Just record it and send it on to us, please. This is a reaction to Carmel and the Sterling. I'm just wanting, she's heading to Belfast for the weekend. Has her debit card with her? Would like to have a bit of Sterling in her pocket. Trisha, um, I have two things. One is thing on the banks with the, um, the Sterling and having cash. I always like to have a small bit of cash as well when I go away to England or anywhere else. For tips, you know, for giving people tips in restaurants and stuff. Um, you know, it's kind of hard when you only have a debit card. How can you give a tip? And on the second thing then about the doggies with the surnames. My, our little doggie is called Bobby McGee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> thank you uh, for, thank you for uh, that actually somebody. And you're right on the, on the tips. I, I think it's always great to have cash to give. And I, I'm like that as well. I know you can add a tip onto your debit card and, and hand it in. But I like, particularly if somebody has been very kind uh, to you, I always like to try and, you know, catch their eye and give them a tip as I'm leaving. And I absolutely 100% with that listener. I like to do it in cash as well. And just on the naming of uh, animals, the um, Mike the farmer says, Patricia, I've got names for a few of my cows. Uh, some of my cows' names are Tank, Petal, Blue and Lulu. The cow list goes on. How do you decide what's a good name for a cow? That's from Mike the farmer. Thank you for that, uh, Mike. Hi, Patricia. Every dog we had at home when I was growing up was called Bran. Sounds so funny now. All the, They were all terriers and every single one of them was called Bran. Isn't that very... Un, that's un, I would assume, now maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume that's unusual. So as one Bran passed away or had to be put to sleep and then a new terrier arrived, suddenly it was the next Bran and, and life continued on and nobody had to remember. What's that dog's name? It's Bran because it's always been Bran. Unusual, I think. I, I really do think unusual. Thank you for your uh, text. Somebody else says, Patricia, have you just heard Ronan Glynn has resigned? This is from Dennis. This literally is just breaking news. The, chi- the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Ronan Glynn, has resigned. It's been confirmed by the Department of Health. He will leave his role at the end of the month. And I'm sure, isn't it the end of this uh, month? that uh, Tony Houlihan is leaving as as well. So that's, we'll have the Chief Medical Officer and the Deputy Chief Medical Officer both uh, leaving after what has been a very, very difficult couple of years for those uh, guys. They have worked incredibly uh, hard and uh, it'll be interesting to see who will replace them. OK, also coming in to do with cash. We've had a few calls on cash from banks. Uh, John Paul says a couple of people wanted to get a €500 euro 
note. Do you know, I don't even think I've ever had a 500 euro note in my hand from from at the bank. Uh, but just the one 500 euro note, they didn't want it. Oh, obviously, maybe they're giving it as a present or something to somebody. They didn't want it made, made up in the 50s and 10s. They were looking for 500 euro note, basically. The central bank say the 500 euro note was withdrawn in 2019. We had another caller then was looking to get a 200 euro note and again they've been taken out of circulation. The 200 euro note is in short supply in some European countries so the bank may have to make up the 200 euro with either 100 euro notes or 50s if they don't have a 200 euro note. So sorry I'm, I'm, I'm a bit confused there. They're still in circulation. Okay so the 200 euro note is still in circulation but they're just in short supply but the 500 euro note was withdrawn and it was withdrawn back in 2019. Now, seeing as we've spoken about on Post and on Post is one of the places where you can still get sterling as indeed your friendly local credit union as well. On Post, something we've been discussing here on the programme, on Post have been working to maintain a post office service in Blarney and they've advertised the contract three times. There was a protest yesterday about the, or sorry, protest last Thursday about the future of the post office in the, sorry, this protest was yesterday. Post it was yesterday. Uh, the protest was held yesterday. We discussed last week on the programme about the fact that Blarney Post Office may uh, close. The deadline for applications to on post for somebody to take over the contract is Thursday of this week. So our news reporter, uh, Mairead Tuig, went out to the protest yesterday and she spoke to them, some of those who were affected or could be affected by the move. Mary Kylie. So Mary, tell me what the loss of the post office would mean to you here. It will mean that we won't have anywhere as an old age pensioner to get our money. We won't be able to pay a phone bill, a light bill, a gas bill. We won't be able to do nothing. Send a car to somebody at Christmas. Not to mind any other part of the year. But it's just a complete, I think, a complete waste of time. The government have decided they are going to close it, and that's it. Like they've closed all everything else, you know. People are worried. You know, if we have to go to Clareau, which is nearly three miles out the road, we've got to Blackpool. Blackpool is a shopping centre. Well, it's always busy. So how are we going to get in there? I don't drive. I have to depend on my son to to help you know to get me places. Mark and Kylie, I'm from your mum. So she's saying there, like she'd have to rely on you to take her. Yeah, to, I, she doesn't drive. I drive only. And it takes away independence and everything. Yeah. It does. It does. It does. And like she, she has to go now to I take her to Corona or into Blackpool to do her pension. And we so. heard someone say there as well, like, it'll take people out of Blarney as a uh, shopping. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we don't you out of Blarney. Good. Last week, I, I needed money. I'm getting some work get done money. in the at home. And I went to the bank. I needed money. And I went into the bank and they said, out the door, go on. I have no money for you. We don't have money. No. I came off to the girls over, the girl over here. And she said, Mark, no problem. There's money there for you. If that didn't happen, where would I have to go for money? Into 66 out of Madeline Kirk. So we need we need money in the in the village. Like you're going to get a tourist coming in from America. And you're going to say, where are you going? Oh, I have to take my postcard back to America. They can't even come over here and post the card. 
So we need one. Michelle. Michelle, so tell me, are you from Blarney, right? Yes, I am. And what would the loss of the post office be mean to you? Well, I mean, it means people having to go to either Claro, which parking is unreal down there. It's crazy. The same with Blackpool. You've got like people that just want to go in, get their money, go home, go to the local shops. They can't do that if the post office is gone. It is absolutely vital to us in the community that it's kept open. And a lot of people are saying if they don't drive, they're going to find it really impossible now if this service is taken away. Without a doubt. I mean, I have mobility issues myself, but I'm lucky I can drive. But there's a lot of elderly people in the community and they have no other way of getting to, you know, as it is, it's a struggle for them to get to the local post office. So they're they're not going to cope whatsoever going elsewhere. It's just it's not practical for them. Dermot Maxweeney. I've been born and bred in Blarney all my life. And uh, for the, I think, for the, well, I'm old as well. I'll be 80 in, in the 29th of November. The government can support everything, except the things that are needed for rural Ireland and as well. Uh, thanks to Moray who attended that protest yesterday outside Blarney Post Office and people locally there really trying to save their uh, post office. And it was Thomas Gould who joined us last week on the programme to raise this issue. He's the Sinn Féin TD uh, for Cork North Central. Now I see in today's Echo a piece by Donal O'Keefe. Uh, he spoke to uh, Thomas and Thomas said that two parties seemingly are understood to be interested in taking over as postmaster in Blarney. But if nobody takes it over by this week's deadline as I said the deadline is close of business on uh, Thursday then the um, the post office in Blarney will close now on post has said that it is remaining totally committed to maintaining a post office for the people of uh, Blarney and they also uh, acknowledge that they have had some expressions of uh, in- of interest but the big worry is that if nobody if the two applicants decide to change their mind or one of them don't decide to take it, Blarney could lose its uh, post office. We'll keep a close eye on that as the week goes on and update you if we get anything else uh, from it. Just on pet names then, somebody by WhatsApp says, uh, my, I have a lovely pig. I like to call it Crispy Bacon. I'm sure you do. I don't know if the pig is that happy with it. Hi, uh, Patricia. I'm from Tip and we've called all of our sheepdogs Galty. We've called them one after the other. This past and it worked for us. All right. So that backs up the other person who had the one name for the dog. Bran, the one name for the dog as well. Unless the dog gets replaced. It's just the same name is used. I bow to your superior knowledge. I didn't think that many families did that, but it's looking like by some of the texts and calls coming in that it is. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. We're going to take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan uh, joins us on this Tuesday afternoon and the sun has just come out. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And very, How are you? I'm very well. And we want, to, we want to discuss anger today. Yeah. And God knows we all can get anger. And mm. there are uh, three different types of anger we want to uh, address. Two of them are appropriate and one... Uh, two of them are inappropriate and one is appropriate. So talk the inappropriate ones are. Okay. Well, no, anger gets a bad price, but... <coughs> Excuse me. There's absolutely nothing wrong with anger. Being angry is a natural, normal feeling. 
uh, it depends on what we do with it. In other words, what we'll call anger management. And yeah, as you say, three types of anger. Uh, passive, aggressive, and assertive. Now, the first two don't, uh, don't get the, retire, the, the required result and aren't the best way at all, at all, to deal with anger. That's the passive anger, the silent treatment, um, getting in digs, uh, muttering, and the other person wondering what's going on. Um, No eye contact, um, you know, going around, obviously, body language uh, showing anger, but... uh, But not say, and and in particular with the passive anger, at times, not saying what the person is angry about. So therefore, the the person on the receiving end of the passive anger doesn't even know what he or she has done. Absolutely. And, um, you know, is wondering. And then this whole ponderous silence uh, gets going. Um, I suppose we've all done it. Um, I I have had a few silent drives with my passenger now and again. We're um, all we're all guilty of it. We are, and we you're are. and you're there while you're doing the silent treatment. You're there seething inside, but you won't give in. You're not going to say anything, as you say, stomping around, muttering, no eye contact, or the complete silence. And then eventually, when somebody says "What's up?" or you eventually explode or or whatever, and then when you talk it out, it's it's forgotten about then. And that's when one would be getting into the assertive. But the second type of the inappropriate anger then, after the passive, obviously, is the aggressive. Now, the height of that, I mean, the the, the 100 out of 100 um, aggressive behavior, um, uh, which leads to nothing good ever, is like physical violence. Yeah. Um, and we hear so much now about anger on the streets and... Um, but um, I suppose mainly um, we, we'd be talking more, you know, um, in, in the home and that. But, but um, uh, I just said I'd mentioned that, um, you know, we've read an awful lot recently about, we'll say, O'Connell Street. We're hearing quite a bit about uh, City Centre in, in Cork as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of anger out there, I suppose. When um, when the way society is now, um, with young people, um, um, you know, not looking ahead with great optimism and not feeling good about life, and all the um, all the uh, bad bad news from Putin to COVID to climate change. Um, I suppose there's a lot of tension and a lot of anger. And unfortunately, it seems to be manifesting itself in aggressive violence uh, on our streets. And let's hope that that ends. But in the more ordinary way, um, we'll say, um, you know, uh, say road rage, driving on someone's tail, sitting on the, as it were, the car horn, um, in the home, slamming doors, um, uh, making making bad old statements, you know, um, using using bad language, maybe 
name calling, maybe yeah, and, music and being be, turned up to twelve. Go be, on, please. You know, belittling somebody. Um, oh yeah, putting down, putting somebody down, being you know, always sarcastic to somebody. That oh, just yeah. that that is all a form of aggressive behaviour. Absolutely, and it's, and it's chipping away then at the other person's self esteem. Yes, and God knows, I mean, life is tough enough um, without that kind of um, uh, behaviour um, where, um, where when we all need a little bit of um, encouragement and uh, support now that unfortunately there are homes where none of that is readily or even ever available. And... Uh, People being ignored, people being blamed, um, you know, uh, 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 another form of aggressive behaviour that um, I, I was kind of um, a little bit taken aback when I saw it, um, when doing my bit of research, using money as power over another person, um, kind of like being the keeper of the purse strings, as it were, and... Uh, Maybe um, uh, uh, the other person um, or persons in the home um, uh, having having necessary money withheld, Mm. Um, you know, and that's not one that one would have associated very much with the word anger. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it fits, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. Because I was watching a report on the TV last night. It was from Domestic Abuse Centre in Galway and their annual report and they were just showing during the pandemic how their service service was more in need than ever. But they spoke about things like that and they spoke about that whole, you know, coercive control. But one of them was the withholding of money or the using as money as 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 a as a power, um, so yeah, it's very much sadly a fact of life in yeah. so many households. So while that's all the inappropriate, as you say, you know, anger in it per se isn't bad. It's it's what you do with it and how you handle it. So the positive is 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 assertive anger. So, assertive anger. So t- tell us what you mean by that. Well, it's basically the bottom line on that is being able to state how you feel um, in a. In a, in, a, in a reasonable tone. Um, for example, to say, look, I want to let you know how I feel because I believe it will clear the air. Um, which kind of like is a kind of an opening that isn't going to get the other person on the defensive and um, uh, ready to, um, to fight. Um, uh, do you know, um, I, I, I'm feeling upset uh, or I'm feeling hurt because, um, and then you can state, uh, you know, what's upsetting you. But the main thing there would be the I statements. In other words, if you start with I, you've a fair chance that um, a resolution or at least um, you'll be, you'll be of the you, tension um, would ensue. And that you'll be, you'll be listened to, I think, when you start with an I statement, rather than starting with, uh, you did this and you said yeah. that, and you're straight away on the defence, you're straight away being almost uh, aggressive. Whereas yeah. when it's the, you know, I would like you to know that I felt hurt because of what happened. It's Absolutely. very different to me saying to you, you know, you're the cause of me being upset because of what you said. Yeah, exactly. When you start with, you're probably starting a row, and when you start with I, 
you're probably starting uh, the road to a resolution to whatever needs to be sorted. Um, it's it's um, uh, that's uh, that's a fact. Um, you know, or, or even um, I'm irritated by. Um, uh, you know, there can be certain things that a person is doing um, uh, that can be very, very annoying. And sometimes, you know, picking your time, of course, is vital, but um, there can be a time that that can um, come up, or uh, you might want to share something about how you're feeling about things in general. It needn't necessarily be a you thing at all anyway. It could be, I'm angry, and it could be at a certain situation. But, I mean, if you can't talk it out at home, well, then, where the hell can you talk it out? I suppose you can always um, make a phone call to someone in my own line of work. But, um, eventually, um, uh, if it is something to do with the, we'll say, the other person, well, then, the assertive way is the way to go. Even in the job, we'll say, um, if there's something in one's work that is upsetting and annoying them, well, then, to be able to have a chat with whoever um, needs to be chatted with, um, uh, starting with the I uh, word again, um, that can that's better than simmering. Yeah, I yeah. suppose like the simmering is a kind of a, of a, um, a passive anger, really. It is. And you're having the conversation in your own head rather than with the person yes. that you should be having it with. And then exactly. when then when you do decide to have the discussion and talk about the issue. Stick to the issue. I think within couples, this is something that we can all be guilty of. Bringing up something that maybe happened last year or maybe happened five years ago doesn't help the situation. No, no. It's 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 only going to inflame it. That, I mean, uh, however bad things are, and they can be sorted with, with, with an assertive and helpful. You see, motivation is everything. I mean... When I bring this up, am I is my motivation to punish the other person? Is my motivation to give them a bit of a hard time? Now, if it is, it's not going to go anywhere good. But if the motivation is there's a problem and I'd like to see it sorted, that will um, that that will uh, lend itself to um, to uh, an amicable, hopefully, solution. Um, to whatever um, is uh, is is happening, and listening uh, to the other person's viewpoint, no matter how angry you are, you need to listen to the other side. Yeah, because it's like that old saying that we all know: there's two sides to every story. And you know, maybe maybe both people are, as it were, I use the word now in inverted commas, like guilty of um, not being open about um, how they feel about certain things. Um, I, I think, um, you know, these old problems are like mushrooms in a way. They grow in the dark, and if they're put out into the light of day with uh, a reasonable conversation, of course they can get sorted um, uh, without a doubt. And the, 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 the trouble... 
the trouble with the example we used there a while ago, Patricia, about like uh, you made me or you drove me to our and uh, um, you you're you know I, I, I'm sure our listeners are familiar with the with the well. This is becoming very very common phrase now. I think people are starting to understand it more. It's where you, where you, somebody puts the blame on you for something that they've actually done. Yeah. Apparently, um, I, I mean, I often wondered, like, wh- where did that word come from? Like, why gaslighting? And apparently it came from a film. It's a movie, from, yeah. It's called Gaslight. Yeah, it was an old movie, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's where it yeah. came from, yeah. yeah. But, it, but it's spot on. And people do it all the, all the time. Absolutely. And, and, and I sometimes think they do it and don't realise they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's like um, whatever the issue anyway is. Like, I mean, um, at the end of the day, what the gaslighter person is saying is like, it's all your fault. Mm. Um, so we, I mean, as 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 we both know, and as anyone listening um, would know, um, uh, that's not going to solve the problem. That's going to add to the problem, and that. Uh, We'd be right back then to the passive stuff, um, no one talking, uh, and that in a kind of a circular way. So that um, uh, we need to take responsibility. Um, You know, we need to say, look, I should have brought this up long ago. Um, It has been simmering with me. Um, You know, and uh, uh, to be be open and honest and, and upfront about the thing, and I think it can be obvious from a person's body language and tone of voice that, um, you know, that, they're, that what they're doing is looking for a solution, not looking for a fight. Um, most of us in our lives, God knows there's enough to contend with uh, nowadays um, without, um, without having, um, uh, you know, upset and even turmoil inside our own door. Um, okay. um, we we just don't need that. Okay, a number of people agreeing. Dee says, great to hear uh, Joe speak about all types of anger. Uh, Dee finds that breathing can help. Sometimes you need to walk away, but holding yeah. a grudge is very unhealthy and particularly unhealthy for the mind. Uh, Anthony says one thing he finds is he lights candles for people who treat him wrong and he forgives them. He said, I don't mm. want to carry their baggage with, with me. I find to focus on myself and I feel happier because of... Uh, that I suppose it's having having an awareness of what the anger can do to you. You know, yeah. particularly I think that uh, that if the inappropriate one, like the passive uh, anger, it's it's chipping away at you as well. And by the way, yeah. somebody on gaslighting said that was a 1944 movie. <laughs> God, you're, right, you're going way back. Yeah, it was an old movie it, in which a husband used trickery to convince his wife that she was mentally unwell so that he could steal from her and the movie was All called right. All right. Ingrid yeah. Bergman was the star. Thank you for that. Right. Okay, yeah, all right. That, that's a film now that I'm going to look are you up going, and are you I, going I'd to watch? like to see it. Are you going to watch? Okay. All yeah. right, okay. Listen, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you for that and uh, as always, uh, have a good week and we'll chat to you again next Thank you, Patricia, uh, and likewise. That is uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. His number is 086-834-8145. 086-834-8145. And somebody else has agreed 100% with what Joe is saying today. Passive anger 
is by far the worst. My wife and I uh, can, my wife has a tendency to get very passive. We can sit together and sometimes she mightn't speak to me for a week. Uh, Okay, yeah, that's exactly what passive anger is and it doesn't get you anywhere for sure. Okay, that's where I've got to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. On to then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.